In difficult times, Christians often say, Come, Lord Jesus, thinking, get us out of this. Let's end this world. Take us to heaven. But the one thing they don't think about is, will they actually be taken off this earth before the Great Tribulation? Because it's for the church that is overcoming that Jesus will take out. It's that church, the individual church members who are hearing from the Spirit of God daily and following the Spirit of God. Those are the ones that are going to be taken out. We see several things in the scriptures which show us that not all will be removed at the time Jesus returns. There will be elect of God who go through the great tribulation. The ones who are correcting themselves and changing their direction as prescribed by the Holy Spirit as they go through this life are the ones that are going to be taken out because they will overcome the flesh, their own flesh, by yielding to what the Spirit of God says. And that's a tricky part because often the Holy Spirit speaks so softly that at first I miss what he says. And then I'll be going along and I'll think, wait a minute, what did I just hear? And I back up in my mind and think, rethink the situation. And I realize God has given me information to follow and I go back and think about that information and adjust my path by that information which has been given to me by the Spirit of God. As we walk in the Spirit, Paul says, walk in the Spirit and ye will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we miss hearing the Spirit or ignore the word given by the Spirit, and continue going in the pattern that the flesh is directing, we're going to be in trouble. I've even seen people swept away from the church by doing that. There was one woman in our church group for 39 years. I thought she was a prophet. At the beginning of the time in our church group, she was excited about Scripture. She wanted to hear things of God. I would call her and speak with her, and she was excited about what I was saying, and she wanted to talk about it. And then she would share with me what she had heard. But in the last few months before she left us, it wasn't that way. It was like her love for the things of God had grown cold. I would call her, and she was like a completely different person. I would tell her what God had shown me. She was totally silent, showing no emotion whatsoever. But if I spoke of a TV show, she jumped on the bandwagon and wanted to talk about the TV show. Life came into her when I talked about secular things, but she had nothing to say when I talked about spiritual things. She went dead, went cold. Jesus said that would happen in the last days. Matthew chapter 24, 
He said, because iniquity abounds, the love of many will wax cold. He's speaking of the last days. But he who endures unto the end, the same shall be saved. I believe some will be taken out before the great tribulation, and some will be left. Why do I believe that? Let's look at a section of scripture on the thing that is causing me to believe that. Matthew 24, start at verse 40. Jesus is speaking of the end times, the last days. He said, Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for ye know not when the hour of your Lord cometh. Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. We have to stay ready. He could come in five minutes. He could come in an hour. He could come the next day. He could come the next year. He could come ten years later. But if we're on this earth, it is our job to stay ready. The Apostle Peter tells us exactly what we are to do to be ready. He said, since you see and believe that Jesus is returning, be diligent that ye be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Don't let anything hang over your head. If you need to repent, repent. If you need to ask someone to forgive you, do it now. Don't let it keep lingering over you. Don't keep hesitating. Get yourself ready for the return of Jesus. We need to live in peace, without spot, and blameless if we're going to be taken out. How do we live in peace? We live every moment of the day in peace by turning to God in prayer with all of our concerns and praying and letting him establish our thoughts. Even in the midst of great trouble, we can live in peace if only we remember to stop and pray and let God show us what to do or make us solid by bringing a scripture to our mind or whatever we need. Prayer also connects us to God. Being connected to God, I believe, makes us worthy to escape. So at the time Jesus returns, we want to be in a condition where we are connected to God. Start your day with prayer. I find that usually I'm praying when I wake up each morning. I'm asking God to help me through that day. And certainly through the day, we pray and should pray. Every time there's something there that we don't know how to handle or we're a little fearful or something ahead that we're fearful about, we should stop and pray. We must continually do Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be careful for nothing but in everything. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, 
let your requests be made known unto God. Then it says when we do that, the peace of God that passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this is a way of life, just like breathing. We should be praying about as automatically as we breathe. We don't have to sit and think, I have to breathe. We just breathe. It's a way of life. Prayer must become that automatic for us, just talking to God as we go through our day. Paul says, pray without ceasing to pray. And I think that's probably what he means. We know some of the elect will be on this earth during the Great Tribulation because in Matthew 24, verse 22, Jesus says, And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. The days of the Great Tribulation are going to be times that we've never seen before, worse than anything that has ever come upon this earth. Matthew twenty four twenty one. Jesus says, For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. I think the prophet Amos described it in a way that we are able to understand what it is going to be like. Amos chapter 5, verse 19. Amos says, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. As if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark, and no brightness in it? It will just be one difficult trouble after another. As I have counted them in the book of Revelation from chapter 8 through chapter 16, there are 14 different plagues that God sends upon the earth during the time of the Great Tribulation. We don't know how long these plagues will continue. Now, I don't believe coronavirus is one of the plagues of the Great Tribulation, but it's certainly doing a lot to help us to visualize what can happen upon this earth. It's pretty hard to imagine that anything can come upon the earth that affects the whole earth. Now we have seen it happen, so it's much easier for us to understand the specific plagues that will come during the time of the Great Tribulation. It will come upon the whole world. No one will be excluded from seeing these troubles. And it will be one problem after another. One of the plagues of the Great Tribulation lasts five months. We don't know how long the other plagues last. Now, in coronavirus, we've already lived, what, through seven or eight months of it. And aren't we tired and wanting it to end? 
I think the overall thing is we're sort of worn out by it. And yet it is basically nothing compared to what that which God is going to send upon this earth during the Great Tribulation. In the time of the coronavirus recently, I heard on TV a woman in Louisiana say, we just worked through coronavirus with our business. And then the hurricane hit. And that's sort of what Amos is saying the time will be in the Great Tribulation. During that time of the Great Tribulation, men will desire to die because it is so bad, but they will not be able to die. Revelation 9, 6. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. From what I can understand at this point in time in the scriptures is that a portion of the church, a portion of the church, will be removed before the destruction that is coming from God arrives on this earth. Matthew 24, verse 24. For as the lightning that lighteth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. Everyone on the earth will see it. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the day of Noel, Noah, says Jesus, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man, when Jesus comes the next time. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. First, Noah was preserved. Noah entered into the ark. And then the destruction came. But up until the day Noah entered into the ark, they didn't know anything was going to happen. Nope, these people of the world don't even know anything's coming. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Then Jesus says in verse 28, Likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. And then Jesus says in verse 30, Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. When he comes through the clouds and the whole world sees him and all of a sudden the people begin to mourn because there's Jesus coming back. Up until then they were just living the way they live today on the earth, doing whatever they do today. But it all changed when Jesus came through the clouds. So Jesus says, even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. But I think what he shows through this is those who are righteous, as in the case of Noah and Lot, 
will be taken out before the days of the Great Tribulation. But others in the church will not be ready when Jesus returns. For they will be following things of the flesh and ignoring the sayings brought to them by the Spirit. Some of them don't even know there is anything of the Spirit. So they're not anywhere near ready. Romans 8.1 There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Let me give you an example of this. On the evening of September 19th, 2020, I had watched television up to about 9.30, but I needed to fill a little more time because our blog publishes at this location at 10 p.m., and after the blog publishes, I always read it. So I turn the TV off at about 10.15 every night and read the blog, and then I go into the scriptures that I've collected in my meditation file on my Kindle photos. So that night I needed to fill about 45 more minutes before the blog published. And I was looking for a TV show to watch to fill that time. First I tried something called Midsummer Murders on PBS, but I really wasn't interested in the plot. So I switched channels, began channel surfing, and I found one of those old Dirty Harry movies that are made in the 1970s. I started watching Clint Eastwood in that movie. But I ran into a problem with that movie. I didn't like what I saw. For first there was a prostitute who had held back money from her pimp. Then the pimp caught up with her and killed her. Then there was a policeman who came along and killed, deliberately shot the pimp, killing him in a type of vengeance. At that point, the Holy Spirit reminded me of Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Then there was a scene where Clint Eastwood, playing the role of the detective, returned to his apartment and a woman was waiting there and they got into bed together to commit fornication and I certainly did not want to see that so I began to turn the channel and then I remembered a little earlier in the evening when I was thinking of filling up the time I remembered something that I had heard when I what I remembered I'd heard was this that I could meditate in scripture until the blog published it was so gentle and so soft that it just escaped me. It, I didn't recognize it, but it was the Holy Spirit showing me what to do. The voice of the Holy Spirit is sometimes so gentle and so subtle that we just plow right on through it. But then I've always found that later I'll be reminded and then I'll say, oh, I believe God spoke to me on this. And I go back and do it whatever it was that I heard. So that night, after I realized that I had heard from God when I was trying to fill up the time, before the blog published, I heard from the Spirit of God, you can meditate in Scripture until that time. So I turned the TV off and began meditating in Scripture until the time the blog published. Now that's the way we follow the Spirit of God and 
thus crucify our own flesh who would take us another way which would not be the best way for us to go and would sometimes be total destruction if we went that way. Paul says in Galatians 5.15, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the minute we recognize we've heard from God and we walk that way, we depart from the way of the flesh. The flesh and the Spirit go completely opposite ways. You might think the flesh gets better. It does not. It never improves. Flesh is flesh. It never gets better. The works of the flesh, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 5, start at verse 19. Paul says this, The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry. Idolatry can be going on in the churches, but it can also be that you just idolize some famous person who's achieved great works on this earth. That can be idolatry. I went through that not long ago. I was watching something on television, a biography of Lucille Ball. And people were praising her for all her accomplishments, which were many. And I heard a scripture as I was watching that TV show. The Holy Spirit said to me, What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And I said, Oh, and I turned the biography off. Flesh loves to praise other flesh. We like to see a wonderful running back on a football team and say, isn't he wonderful? That can be idolatry. We just kind of have to watch ourselves. Well, actually, we have to follow the Spirit of God. What I heard concerning the Lucille Baldock biography was, what does it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? God is basically telling me don't get caught up in this story of this wonderful thing that happened on the earth through this human being. For it really doesn't mount to anything, though humans think it does and loves to talk about it. So that can be idolatry. Witchcraft, which God has shown me in our lifetime, has to do with following superstitions. You see people at dinners who click their glasses together. What are they doing? What are they saying when they do that? Why do that? Are you wishing that person well? If you wish a person well and they go out and do evil, the Bible tells us you become a part of their evil works. Second John, and it begins at verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father 
and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. So if you're sitting there at a table, and they begin to lift their glasses and click them together, if they're wishing each other well, and you join them and click your glass with them, aren't you wishing them well? If so, they, if they go out and do evil, you become partaker of their evil deeds. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever will be a friend of this world is the enemy of God. That's in James chapter 4. So we just can't live like the world. I've been with people at dinner several times, and they have reached their glasses to click them together, and I didn't make any move whatsoever to join them. I just sat there. And they never said a word to me. They just went right on. If I didn't want to click my glass with their glass, it seems like a small thing. It isn't a small thing. It is saying, I'm different. I, I just can't do this. I can't wish you well. I don't wish people well unless there's someone like Pam Paget, whom I know is going to pray and ask God what to do and follow him. I will wish her well, but I'm not going to wish strangers well. I'm not going to wish people well when they attend a certain church and don't follow God, and I know they're not. I have Catholic people who do that all the time. I'm not going to wish them well. I don't want to be partaker of their evil deeds. Well, this is a serious matter. And I believe this is the type of thing that can get you left on the earth for the great tribulation. Strange as it sounds, little things, little things like this is where we live. We must at all times be a Christian, be attached to God, going in the way he wants us to go. So back to Galatians 5, the works of the flesh, which are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Other forms of witchcraft I see all the time in sporting events. The opponent will have the football and going down the field, and often they will show the crowds in the stands who are doing little hand signals to kind of jinx the opponent, which they have no power to jinx on an opponent, but you even hear announcers say, I don't want to jinx him. Well, his words have no power, but that announcer thinks they do. See, that's witch that is witchcraft, a form of witchcraft. I saw the strangest thing that I've ever seen in a, it was a College World Series baseball game a few years ago. Arkansas was the team playing somebody, and their fans were wearing bananas on their head. Some were real bananas and some were plastic bananas. For some reason, they had decided it was good luck to their baseball team if they came wearing bananas on their head. These are adults that you would never think would be foolish enough to do this kind of thing. That's witchcraft. They really believe it. Some people believe the number 13 is unlucky. That's a form of witchcraft. We as Christians uproot every form of witchcraft that has infested us from the world. 
That's a work of the flesh. Hatred is a work of the flesh. You don't have to be taught to hate. Look at little children playing with each other when they get mad. You don't have to be taught to react. Variance. That is to debate, to strive, to prove yourself right. Emulation. That is copying people to try to get ahead of people, to try to outdo them. Wrath. That is wanting punishment to come to the other person, wanting them to get what they deserve. That's wrath. Strife. Seditions. Heresies. Uh, one of the biggest things they strive over today is politics. They, the world thinks you have to vote, and they promote your having to vote. That's not what the Bible says. I don't vote. I don't register to vote. The Bible tells me to pray for those in authority. As we go along, if they're called to your attention and something seems out of, terribly out of order, pray for them. That's what the Bible says. But I'm not going to take sides with politicians and approve one and hate the other. That would be evil. That's a work of the flesh. The world tells you to do many works of the flesh, which seems like a good thing to the world. But it is our job to renew our mind to the word of God and to go in the way of God, crucifying our own flesh by the word of God. Other things that are work of the flesh, envies, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like, Paul says something very strong now, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. There are people today who think because they have gone forth, been baptized, and confessed that Jesus is the Christ, that they can live like the world. This is not true. They which do such things, says Paul, shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, you're not going to be taken off this earth. I don't believe you'll be taken off by Jesus when he returns if you're doing these things, these works of the flesh. How do we keep from doing them? We follow the Spirit of God. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus if you walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Instead of doing the works of the flesh, you do what the Spirit of God says to do, which is going to be the opposite from what your flesh wants to do. You keep yourself crucified with Christ that way, and your flesh suffers when you choose to go in the way of the Spirit of God. They who suffer with Christ will reign with Christ, and that's what that means. Concerning being ready for the return of Jesus, that we would be taken off this earth before the great tribulation, Jesus says in Luke 21, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, that's overindulgence, and drunkenness and cares of this life. And so that day come upon you unawares. For as a snare shall it come upon all them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore. Watch yourself. Watch the way you're living. And pray always. Committing all of your troubles to God and your concerns and your cares and your thoughts 
and your ways, that ye may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Thank you for allowing me to share with you today.